to Music Nerds Unite. This is Scott Bloman again with my brother Keith Bloman and our buddy Larry Waldman. We're continuing our tournament to determine the greatest rock song from 2000 through 2019, though we excluded any artists that were included in our prior album tournament from the same period. We're finishing the first round. This is bracket number four of round one, and I think we have some interesting mashups on tap here. The song we just played, which Keith selected, was You Go Ahead, Trumpet Trumpet 2 by Sunset Rubdown, which was the other project of Spencer Krug, also of Wolf Parade, who we've talked about previously. I definitely hear hints of Talking Heads and Arcade Fire in addition to Wolf Parade on this one. Keith, do you care to say a few words about this song? Well, as you can tell from the name of the song, that it's going to be a bit quirky and a bit proggy um, and a bit uh, maybe self-appointed. But um, but I don't think there are actually any trumpets in the song, which to to their sh- to the shame of of the song. But e- even having trumpet, even a little bit of a having, switch kind of song, you know. Even having horns in the name is going to gravitate it towards the top, though. Uh, but this, this song. This song came out in 2009. Again, it it started as a side project from one of the lead guys from Wolf Parade, which we've touched upon before, which was one of the, you know, the debut, debuting artists from the year 2005, where we talked about Block Party um, as being one of the others. And and again, they they showed great promise with that debut album. Um, And maybe part of it manifested itself through, through Sunset Rubdown. And, you know, they've sort of been hit or miss, but to me, that song is just like every. It's it's just incredible. like it's a, it's so good. It's so powerful. It, it's so compelling, um, and yet it's so obscure. You know, it is so obscure and under the radar that you know I felt it was worthy of at least um, introducing. I, I Wolf Parade has another um, had another one had another song that I thought about using for this intro, which was. I'll believe in anything, which is another. If you look it up. It's another great song that's sort of similar. You know, it, it's got a lot of similarities to this. But um, anyway, it's a, to me, it's a great song that was worthy of um, including at least as an introduction to you know both both bands and the artists. Cool, and I'll, I'll plug my favorite Wolf Parade song, "Modern World." All right, uh, so before we hit the matchups, I I just want to mention one thing, which I'm pretty sure we haven't mentioned before. Obviously, you've discovered this podcast if you're listening to it, likely either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. On Apple Podcasts, you can rate this podcast, I think, to be a five-star rating system, and you could also leave feedback. It would be very helpful to us if you would rate the podcast and also comment on it. All comments are welcome, even negative feedback, provided it's constructive. Also, I just updated my ebook, The Story of Rock and Soul Music, on Amazon. It's the seventh edition, and it should say so on the copyright page. Lots of new stuff in this version, so please check it out. Finally, whereas the last episode was a not Scott episode, this episode is heavy on my nominations. I think I nominated or co nominated every song here, except for our third matchup, which is all Larry's. On to the matchups. The first matchup is the number three seed, The Walkman, with The Rat from 2004 versus the number 30 seed, Tedeschi Trucks Band with Midnight in Harlem from 
Rad is going up against Midnight in Harlem. Pretty sure all three of us would have picked this song, but I think Larry saved his pick because he knew that Keith and I would both vote for it. I did. Yeah. Little game for sure. Yeah. The Walkmen were another one of those early 2000s bands with New York City roots. In fact, three of the guys were previously in, in a much hyped band called Jonathan Fire Eater, who never lived up to their early press clippings. First of all, this song is a drumming toward the force. Matt Barrett, take a bow because your performance on the song is phenomenal. Hamilton Lifehauser is a cool, rough voice singer, and the vocals on the song are incredibly passionate throughout. The song just surges and surges, and I find myself playing air drums, air guitars, heck, damn near air everything, as I shout along to it as well. I freaking love this song. But as mentioned previously in episode 35, I also love Midnight in Harlem. It's just a great bluesy ballad with soulful singing from Susan Tedeschi and amazing guitar playing from her husband, Sly Guitar Virtuoso Derek Trucks. And there's some uh, pretty uh, great keyboards and, and bass playing on the song as well. The second half of the song is pretty much one long, incredible extended guitar solo. Midnight in Harlem is easily one of the best songs of this past decade, even though it's usually overlooked in such discussions. And it's seriously underseated by BEA here, in my opinion. One thing that's also worth noting, we have Midnight in Harlem, and we previously talked about Midnight City and Sometime Around Midnight. Do you guys notice a trend with some of the song titles in this tournament? Hmm. Hmm. There's something about that word and that time of day that makes for good song titles, I guess. It's an evocative word that evokes a mood. Anyway, I'm stalling here. Back to this matchup. This pains me a little because I do truly love both of these songs. And I've added both of them to many a personal playlist over the years. But I think the feeling of excitement you get throughout the duration of the rat is the deciding factor here. The rat moves on, and I expect a unanimous verdict, despite a healthy respect for Midnight in Harlem, as well from these guys. Midnight in Harlem is a great vibe. It's a great guitar song it feels super out of place in this tournament you know it feels like it could have come out in the late 60s or 70s or, or maybe even early 80s doesn't really feel like it it fits and maybe maybe it's just in this particular bracket too it's a bit of a sunnier more uplifting song it doesn't have the same intensity as a lot of the other songs in this corner of the bracket um the the feeling that you get when you listen to the rat and and especially the drums or if you've seen it live it's it's pretty evocative it, it's definitely a fired up song um funny about Hamilton Lighthizer like we, we were we were kind of texting earlier today and talking about his solo album that he did with Rostam his voice gets better as he got older and I don't know if he he consciously decided to make it less rough but I, I think that he got better as he got older. Um, 
it's definitely a little rawer, or maybe it's just the emotion and the vibe he's trying to go for on um, Bow and Arrow and, and in some of the early Walkman albums. But uh, that it, it just uh, it does strike me that he, he seems to have gotten a little smoother. Um, I'm going to have to agree with Scott and, and at least make this a two for, I don't know if we'll make it a, a clean sweep for the Walkman. But this is definitely a sweep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Midnight Harlem is... It is such an awesome sort of chill, bluesy, you know, you can picture being in a, you know, in a empty bar, right? Or, you know, a small venue listening to that. It shows how, you know, you don't have to play a thousand notes a second for a guitar, you know, to sound, for a guitar sound to sort of fill you know, the, the room, right. It, it just is, it's so perfect the way everything works together in that song. Um, and it just evokes just the, you know, a, a vibe of midnight in Harlem, right. It's, it, it does make you feel like you're that, 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 that's the scene. Um, but yeah, this is a, this is a sweep. Um, the rat, you know, from when it first came out in 2000 and it's another 2005, four, four or five, 2004 um, song. And it's, it's just so powerful. I'm, I'm really surprised and a little disappointed that neither one of you guys referenced uh, positively fourth street by Bob Dylan. I mean, mm. you've got a lot of nerve is literally the beginning of that song. Yep. <laughs> It's a good call. And they're they're both right. They're both ripping, you know, destroying <laughs> revenge, you know, revenge type of um song. Yeah, positively fourth sheet is the ultimate F song of all time, probably. Yeah. Right. And this is like this is sec this is maybe second. <laughs> 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 but I think the fact that they both start with, you know, you've got a nerve, right? Mm -hmm. You've got a lot of nerve. It's, there's definitely, you know, a, a nod, you know, they're definitely doing a little bit of a modern day nod to, in my view, they have to be doing a modern day nod to, to Dylan. Um, but it's just such a, it is such a raw, you know, hurtful, jaded, jaded song that comes to, and, and Larry, you know, maybe he's, his voice has improved, but I have to believe that if he had to, when he sings this song, you know, he's going back to, you know, oh, the, yeah. roar, <laughs> the roar, the roar. Yeah, uh, the roughness fits. The roughness, well, the roughness absolutely fits. Yeah, the roughness of his song. And that's what I was saying. Like, you know, the, whether it's intentional or not, you, 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 couldn't, yeah, you couldn't sing this song sweetly. You need it to right. have an angry, raspy vibe. Yep. And to Larry's point, you know, check out the Letterman YouTube um, performance because that's where you see live, like, that's where the emotion really comes out and you, you know, the, the total package drumming, you know, the whole band and, um, you know, and the lead vocals just, you know, destroying. Uh, it's great. So the rat moves on here. Um, no disrespect to, you know, to, to midnight at Holland, um, but it's going home. I'd like to, to send midnight and Holland out in style. Larry can, can you do me a favor and uh, play it again? Start with about a minute left to go. Just I want to kind of show some of the, the, the soloing there at the end because this song is truly phenomenal. <laughs> It's not it's not fast play, right? It's not a 
burning guitar solo. It's just yeah, awesome. Soulful. That's the word. All right. So uh, we're sending uh, Tedeschi Trucks home with, with uh, the proper amount of respect. The rap moves on. And we're on to our next matchup, uh, which is the number 14 seed, Silver Sun Pickups with Lazy Eye from 2006 versus the number 19 seed, Kurt Vile with Waking on a Pretty Day from 2013. against waking on a pretty day. some pickups are a very good current band we sound more like an alternative 90s band i'm thinking of the smashing pumpkins or sunny day real estate or any number of shoegazer bands lazy eye has a nice supple guitar groove and it builds steadily until that awesome moment with the vocals which we just played you know the part i'm talking about this is another band where the drummer is really good and the vocals locked and loaded <laughs> I think you might have thrown uh, thrown the narrator off there. Yeah. All right. So this is another band where the drummer is really good and the vocals are unique sounding and somewhat gender neutral. This is an almost six minute song, but it doesn't seem like a long song since it has such an effortless flow to it. On to Kurt Vile. Kurt Vile used to be in the War on Drugs, who was in our prior album tournament. And like the war on drugs, Biles' music is mostly laid back, but is loaded with guitar heroics. This sprawling song has such a great chilled out sunbaked vibe that is indeed perfect for a pretty summer day. And it's nine plus minutes come and go all too quickly. 
I really like the guitar playing throughout and Bob's laconic vocals are fitting too. Although, unfortunately, we, we couldn't fit it into that clip. You'll have to take my word for it. Um, and also that the, the well-crafted lyrics are, are worth pouring over as well. Like the prior episodes, also epic weight of love. This song has multiple groovy wah-wah heavy guitar solos, the best one of which you heard in the clip we just played. I also want to do a shout out to some other vile songs I like, such as Pretty Pimpin', which Larry actually nominated, and also Gold Tone, another epic guitar song, this one exceeding 10 minutes in length. As for Lazy Eye versus Waking on a Pretty Day, I love both songs, and they're quite different, despite both being groovy and guitar based. I'm going to go back to the old standby, the stuck on a desert island scenario. In such a case, I'd rather have the Kurt Vile song at my disposal. They'll, it will put me in such a relaxed mood. I probably wouldn't even want to escape my stuck on a desert island predicament. On to you guys. All right. So as a confession, um, as although I do know Waking on a Pretty Day, and I know the album well, as I was prepping for this, I uh, I thought we had nominated Pretty Pimpin, which is, I guess, just me sort of, you know, trying to project and, and wish that we had picked it because that is my favorite Kurt Vile song. So I listened to Pretty Pimpin probably like five or six times in the last week and Waking on a Pretty Day maybe once. But they are both similar. You know, Kurt Vile is very much of the the new generation of like guitar focused singer songwriters um, is part, you know, was formerly part of War on Drugs, one of my one of my favorite new artists of the last 10, 15 years. Uh, I do think that the way Kurt Vile puts together a vibe on an album lyrically, it's it really evokes like a different type of nostalgia for me for for that sort of 80s singer songwriter, almost like Americana type of of um, vibe. So I do I do really love this this uh, album and this artist and this song, even though, again, I, I picked a different Kurt Vile song, but I guess we both picked a Kurt Vile song. So clearly has a lot of cachet. If I'm to use Scott's Desert Island, though, I would probably opt for Lazy Eye because Lazy Eye would motivate me to get the fuck off the island, right? It would fire <laughs> me up to start chopping down some trees and make a raft and get off the fucking island. So Kerfile will help you make the best of the situation. Yes, Kerfile might make you think that, hey, you know what? It's not so bad being on this island. But Lazy Eye would make me kind of angry that I'm on the <laughs> island and want to make me do something about it. And that's uh, that's where I'm going to lean to. So I I'm going to leave this one up to Keith because I'm going to vote for the Silver Sun pickups. Hey. Um, so just the continuum from the 90s to to Silver Sun pickups. Manchester Orchestra is sort of a band that, that's current that also sort of sound is more similar to Silver Sun pickups. So, you know, they've, they've sort of taken that sound and sort of been the, the most modern, you know, the more modern day version of that sort of evolution from, you know, like the Pumpkins and, and on. Um, Kurt Vile, you know, I, Kurt Vile, you listen to Kurt Vile and you think that he, emerged from like the Allman brothers, right? Or some other, some, some other, like he feels like he came from another band from a long time, from a long yeah, time ago. Feels, like I said, it feels out of place, right? It doesn't feel like it, it feels like it's from like the, you know, sixties or seventies or eighties. It fits that genre. Right. And both pretty pimpin and waking on a uh, pretty day, um, you know, have that, chill that chill vibe and you know it's very spoken wordy type of you know he's not he's not flaunting his pipes uh <laughs> in his songs but you know it works sort of in a way that dylan worked right um you know 50 years ago um and again he's you know he's got the guitar virtuoso and it's you know it's a 10 minute chill song and um, you know, Scott and Larry voted different Kurt Vile songs for the tournament. I was the tiebreaker, Larry. I'm sorry. I, I went with um, with Waken. I may, you know, I I'm not I'm not sure about that decision at the boss. I I may go with Pretty Pimpin um, if I if I had to revote. Um, when, when, but you both, up, when you woke up both. in the morning and stared at the but face they, in the, at the face of the mirror, exactly. The, eye, the eyes of the stranger. Um, 
but I agree with Larry that you know the the song that fires me off, the song that sort of evokes you know more emotion and um, just has more meaning to me overall will always be lazy eye. So um, while you know Sil- Silver Sun Pickup probably has their you know their ups and downs overall as a band, um, you know they nailed it. They nailed it on this one. Um, so lazy eyes moving on. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I mean, I think if I was to if I was to pick one band that I could only listen to all of their songs in the hour, I would pick Kurt Vile. But if I need one song, it would be this one, Lazy Eye, for sure. It's a good call. It's a good point about the vocals. It's it's more about setting the mood. Yeah. And and, and that's this you know, Kurt Vile is mood music and uh Lazy Eye is not right. It's it's our kick-ass rocker, and uh, yeah, I have no problem with going forward. I this was a tough matchup for me actually. I went back and forth on it, and and I'm not at all surprised. Uh, so anyway, uh, good matchup. Lazy Eye moves on, and then the next matchup we have here is the number six seed, the Microphones, with the Moon from 2001 versus the number 27 seed, Opeth with the Drapery Falls, also from 2001. So we got the battle of 2001 here. against the Drapery Falls, the, uh, the metal song in this uh, bracket.
right, we're going to do something different here because these are both Larry's picks, so I'm going to let him do the bulk of the lifting in this matchup. You might remember that the Microphones and Opeth both had honorable mention albums for Larry in episode 34 in our last tournament with the Globe Part 2 for the Microphones and Blackwater Park for Opeth. These two songs are from those albums. Larry's going to take the lead on this matchup, and I'll chime in and give my verdict if necessary after Keith goes. You wow. got this, Waldman. You got Thank this, you. Waldman. No pressure, yeah, this, this is a big honor, but I, I didn't realize that Scott was going to go last. I feel like that puts you in more pressure. That is a curveball. That's a curveball. Yeah, yeah. It I wasn't. Just, I yet. just made that up. All right. Well, it's good. It's good. It's good that we we uh, change things on the fly. It's awesome. All right. So the microphones are an indie folk indie rock band from Olivia, Washington, largely led by uh, Phil Everham, who also records under the name of Mount Erie. Uh, the Glow Part 2 was released on September 11th, 2001, which coincidentally also saw the release of The Blueprint by Jay-Z, Love and Theft by Bob Dylan, and Rock in the Suburbs by The Ben Folds Five. Also a, a couple of albums by Nickelback and Mariah Carey, but they, they probably wouldn't be in the, any tournament that we ever would have. Um, just by the, if anyone's wondering like what, why, it's, Tuesdays used to be the album release day. Like back in the 90s and 2000s, albums came out on Tuesdays. It wasn't like now where... You know, artists just release stuff on SoundCloud or Bandcamp or Spotify whenever they feel like it. Um, and the Strokes is just it came out around there, right? It came was, it was around. That the American I, release. I, I thought it came out on September 11th, but it didn't. I think it came out like in June or July of 2001. But I, I don't. Uh, I, think, I, I think it was. Di- I think the U.S. release was different than anyway. Yeah, that might have been uh, toxicity as well, right? In that yeah. in that vicinity. Yeah, toxicity came out the same time too. Yeah, September 11th was a big day for for music releases unfortunately because people remember that right i think yeah. gold by ryan adams with was another one uh, yeah oh yeah there's there's like lists of it which is it's, it's amazing um i might have to to lean into to scott a little bit because i don't even know how i would actually classify the microphones or or the glow part two because yeah it's an indie rock band it's an indie folk band it's what some people would call lo-fi which you know essentially for those who are not music nerds lo-fi basically means that if there's weirdness or strange things that go on during the production, you kind of leave it in because it sounds more interesting and it sounds more edgy and authentic. Whereas in a normal album, you would produce it out. Lo-fi kind of keeps that. The microphones kind of take this to a little bit of an extreme because this is a very varied album that relies on, that, that requires like lots and lots of listens to really get into. Um, you know, Interestingly, I think at one point, Scott said that this is probably the most like different type of matchup that we have and and while having a death metal band against an indie folk band sounds at first blush like it might be pretty different there's some songs on them on the glow part two that have death metal or black metal influences or maybe atmospheric influences maybe a little more akin to agaloth and and opeth and other metal songs and you know if you took out some of the death metal howls there are parts of opeth that sound like they could be folk albums right they're they're very they're, they're a lot more similar than I think we might have initially thought. Um, the Microphones and Phil Everham in, in particular are very introspective and nostalgic bands. Like if you listen to a lot of what's going on in the moon or really anything on the microphones, it's very much about ennui and loss and trying to deal with that loss, trying to find oneself. Uh, unfortunately, um, his one of his last albums, uh, A Crow Looked at Me, is about the, um, the illness and eventual death of his wife from pancreatic cancer and it's very much a like in the same vein as black star or carrying Lowell. i mean it's all about loss it's about somebody essentially writing an album to work through their loss but there's you know even though the moon came out 10 years before or 15 years before that a lot of that you can you can hear in the microphones um on to opeth so opeth's a swedish prog death metal band formed in 1989 Almost the entire band has turned over, um, so much so that I don't think a single of the original members are actually still in Opeth. But for the last like 25 or so years, it's been led by Michael Ackerfeld, who's the main songwriter, vocalist, and lead guitarist. And the thing that I find astonishing about Opeth and why I go to this album so much, like I not even for this, but before we even um, put them in this tournament, I was listening to them while I was working just because it has that atmospheric sound that you can sort of melt into in the background is 
their songs and their albums are so varied. Like you can listen to an Opeth album or an Opeth song and think that you're listening to King Crimson or Yes or Genesis, who clearly influenced them. You can also listen to it and get a different part, a different movement of the same song and think that you're listening to a Priest or Iron Maiden or Motorhead album. Or you can listen to the part like we played at the very end and I intentionally picked that section of Drapery Falls because you get all of it. You get the folk music, you get you get uh, Michael Ackerfeld's very, very sweet vocals, and you also get the death metal growls and screams, and then you know you're in a death metal album. Um, one thing I think that is a little different about this particular album is that it is very atmospheric, but also it's produced very, I don't know if this is the right word, but cleanly, crisply. And I think that's probably the influence of uh, Stephen Wilson, who a Porcupine Tree, who produced it, who I believe Porcupine Tree is a, uh, Scott is a big fan. So this is a, a really epic track. It's an epic album. I know death metal is not for everyone, but if you are going to listen to one album like that, this is it. This has got everything. So which one am I going to pick after all that? Scott, did I go too long? Go for it. All right. Um, so the album that I go to the most is clearly Blackwater Park. I, I listen to that album a lot. Like I, I listen to that album probably more than than a lot of other albums I do. I don't know why, but I find it very good to be able to listen to when I need some deep concentration. Um, I think the Moon, uh, sorry, the Glow Part Two and the microphones are phenomenal in that it's varied, it's interesting, it's deep. The lyrics really get me. But when I I need to go to something, I'm going to go to with Opeth. So I'm going with Drapery Falls. On to Keith. On to the number two hitter. <laughs> I see what you did there. You put yourself in the number three spot. I got you. Um, so I get. So I guess I'll start with Opeth here because I've, I, you know, I remember when Blackwater Park actually came out because I was already in. I was already Team Opeth from, um, you know, their albums before that, Morning Rise and um, Still Life. Um, and again, one of my all-time favorite album covers. Which one? Blackwater Park. Oh, Blackwater Park. Yeah, it's a great, yeah. it's a great album. Uh, and you know that they're they're a different type of metal band, right? Like they're very, and they've always have been in a sense because they, you know, all their song, their their epic long song right their, their albums are long the songs are long they take you on a like an up and down they're intentionally right you know the parts of every song has you know different type elements to to the song and blackwater park sort of took them in a more in a progier direction you know with more clean and you know more um instrumental you know sort I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're, Blackwater Park was just a, a, change, a slight change because, uh, you know, um, it was produced by the Porcupine Tree dude and um, just had a slightly different, you know, channel of their of their energy. You know, Opeth and Drapery Falls to it, but by almost by definition, right? Opeth and Drapery Falls is almost like it it's it can't be that personal of an album, right? Because it's you, you know the the battling between the clean vocals and the um, and the 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 you know the death growly vocals sort of evokes you know a battle of the gods, right? Like it's it's not it's not your inner voice. It's sort of like this. You you envision it being this epic battle between evil and good you know good and evil um and that's sort of you know the what what plays out within within the song um and that's sort of the that's sort of what drives sort of the emotion the emotion of it it's not an introspective listen in a, in a way it's sort of you know you're picturing some other you know some other battle um for the moon and the microphones. I mean, I'd say the moon is almost and right. Uh, the glow part two is a it is also a long album, right? Uh, and the moon is almost an album track. 
right? I mean, it's it sits within their big three on the album, but it when you listen to the album, it sort of feels like another album track. Um, and to me, it was almost you know number three, number three of their big three until I started listening to it for this for this. And Larry, you mentioned sort of repeated listens. Um, the moon in isolation, right? Again, there's the moon and how it fits in the glow. And then there's the moon in isolation as a song, like as an individual song. And it, it sort of, when you listen to it on its own, it takes a life of its, it does take a different life of its own. Um, and it, does it is more personal right it does make you like it it does make you feel like you're on that journey with him right not that you're witnessing something but you're like you can envision like you know being that that guy um and musically you know it evokes mutual milk hotel it evokes the pixies Right, like there's a whimsical element to it. Maybe some even smashing pumpkins, whims, you know, from a whimsical standpoint. Um, and it's you know, it it is that that more intimate, personal, you know, driving type of song. And um, so you know, it's a very different type of listen, right? Whereas Opeth is this godlike, you know, battle of, of good and evil. Um, and the, the moon is, is more intimate, um, uh, you know, introspective type of listen, but still driving, you know, still very driving and still, you know, it's not a, it's not a soft song, right? It's, it's, it's sort of, there's an intensity to it um, that, you know, is underneath, right? It's, it's, there's a, there is an intensity to it. There's, there's drumming. There's the instrumentals behind it. Um, you know, I'm the metal guy. I am the metal guy of the group. But in the end of the day, what am I also? I'm the fucking horns guy, man. You are the fucking horns guy. And what is the song? The, moon, the moon's got horns, and the moon <laughs> is my pick to go to Scott Floman. I am mildly, if not very surprised. I knew you, I, I kind of, I kind of was hoping you'd come around to the moon. That's not one of your, that wasn't one of your initial faves, but I, like I said, it's a, it's a, it really is a grower. And like it's I said, when, I sol- when you, when you put it on its own, it, yeah. it shines in a, in a way that it doesn't on the album. The metal guy might I remind you, he picked the Smiths of Metallica. <laughs> yeah, but that's that was I, that was over current Metallica. <laughs> uh, no, that was Ride the Lightning. I'm I'm, I'm tainted by Ride the Lightning. It. Bears, I got it. Bears the burden of, of Lars today. Just busting. All right, so uh, can we? Hey, also... I nominated Converge. I nominated Converge. Goddamn. Uh, that's true. Yeah, you did nominate. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, that wins. That wins. Uh, and uh, we had what Agala Mastodon as well. All right. So another thing we didn't mention is the, the microphones are a total Pitchfork band, right? I mean, none of us would probably know about them if not for Pitchfork. I would guess, right? They they were big champions of this album, The Glow. Uh, if we were to have a tournament of the albums with the best first three songs right the glow part two would probably be on that right because yeah like you guys mentioned the big three uh this was actually the lowest rated song on bea of those three i think take your pick they're all phenomenal i don't say take your pick anymore i got i got the moon there you go all right i'm yeah. a convert yeah. i'm a convert it, how does it feel to be in the uh in the keith position clean up i'm, I'm i got Number chills three. i'm nervous yeah i got i gotta think it's, it's gotta be it's gotta be new for you Usually, usually a lot of times, like you're more used to the, I'm going to make my pick and then watch just Keith and Larry stab me in the back and, and destroy my hopes and dreams. Absolutely. Right? Now it's my turn to do some stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Tables have turned. I would say about the moon, right? You have the, the muffled and uh, kind of mumbled vocals, right? But they're, they're oddly affecting. Uh, there, there's a power to the grooves, the fight, you know, the song having something of a chaotic sound. 
Uh, and then there's those horns, right? You gotta love the horns, but the horns are low key, right? They're they're not. They're mellow. They're, they're kind of in the background almost. Yeah. The song is intimate, haunting, and in, in it's atmospheric. And and like you said, it's within that indie folk genre we've championed previously, but with with a more lo-fi aesthetic, like a, a neutral milk hotel, who definitely they recall somewhat. Then we have uh, Opeth, right? It's classic Opeth, this song. And, the, and this is another case where there could have been other songs you picked from that album and this band, right? But this is definitely a, a fitting song. Um, it's classic Opeth in, in that it has big, heavy riffs, but also mixes in you know, pretty acoustic guitars. It's heavy, melodic, and progressive with, with multiple sections. You know, it's 11 minutes long, right? So it's a, it's a total epic. It's beautiful and, and kind of immense as well, right? It has this big sound and it has those clean, smooth vocals and, and also growly vocals. But to me, the growly vocals aren't overly harsh like you sometimes get in the China, yeah. right? But, so I think I, it, I think it's, it's it also, the thing that I always find really interesting about Opeth in general is there's, there are deliberate choices as to when he sings versus when he's growling. Like, a, and, and, and I, I kind of intentionally picked Drapery Falls and that, segment because it's so long it's it's like four or five different movements you know like if you think about like a symphony or a class you know a classical thing there are distinct sections of that song and there are parts where it's more acoustic and he's singing and then there are parts where it's like he said more epic good versus evil and he's growling you know and and first of all it's astonishing that he can sing both ranges like that but yes not as harsh because i think he has that range and there are deliberate choices as to when he does it and i think a lot of those growly vocals can't sing like he does so that's why they do what they do and and the song you know it's really it's heavy at times but it also kind of has a mournful brooding quality as well and again and there's a certain majesty to it right so it's it's just an epic song so this is a tough matchup uh and to be honest this is one i flip-flopped on a few times uh, my, my final verdict was not my initial verdict. Uh, they're both great songs. Uh, the raw emotion of the microphone song speaks to me more directly, but The Drapery Falls is, is a more ambitious song that really takes you on a journey. And I find myself returning to it more frequently as a result. So it wins this matchup. Besides, let's face it, this tournament can use a little less indie folk and a little more metal. <laughs> It could use any metal. <laughs> exactly. So uh, that was a good matchup. I, I, that was uh, a great matchup. That, that was. was, this was I, like... I, to be honest, I listened to the. I listened to both. So- like, I listened to all the songs, but then I like I've been listening to just this matchup for like ten times in a row. Yeah. Ten times in a row. The, the, the same. I, I was yeah. traveling last week, and I probably listened to the Moon and Drapery Falls like at least five or six times each. Yeah, I, I think it's the first matchup was easy, even though they're both great songs. I think the yeah. other three matchups were tougher, and yeah. this was the toughest one. This is the toughest one for sure. And and part of it is Scott has a higher tolerance for the ten minute song than I do. <laughs> mm, that is true. That is true. Um, and then the microphone falls in the perfect sweet spot. I should have realized that you know, and and you know, I might have had a little bit of gamesmanship in in picking the moon because it had horns for Keith, but I should have realized that Scott would have gone for the longer song. (laughs) Anyway, the next matchup is the number 11 seed Death Cab for Cutie with Transatlanticism from 2003 versus the number 22 seed Weezer with Island in the Sun from 2001.
island in the sun is going up against transatlanticism. First up is Death Cab for Cutie, and you may recall that main man Ben Gibbard was previously in this tournament with his side project, the Postal Service, and such great heights. He cheated. So, he cheated to get two entries in. Two different bands, so it's it's allowed. So transatlanticism will always remind me of a scene in which it was featured in the excellent HBO TV show Six Feet Under, and I know Keith uh, knows what I'm talking about. Uh, while we're at it. In prior episodes, we talked about some of the worst series finales for a TV show, and Six Feet Under definitely had one of the best series finales, in particular the last five minutes where another song, Breathe Me by Sia, is also inextricably linked to the show. Transatlantic. you were going to talk about the, the, uh, the ending of the OC when you were talking about that. <laughs> Because, you know, Death you'll Cab... Have, you'll have to take over. I, I don't even know what happened, but I know that Death Cab was very big on the OC. Oh, really? No, oh, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Having never seen an episode, nor can I <laughs> Well, Scott, you missed <laughs> out. Yeah. I guess for the, for the younger generation, that's like what Melrose Place was to us. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Melrose Place completely ruled. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're on a tangent here. So transatlanticism starts with piano, which is featured prominently, and drums don't even come in until the song is almost half over. And nearly eight minutes long, this is another long song I nominated, and this is an epic slow builder. It's mostly laid back, soft rock even, but I love those nifty little riffs that pop up here and there. And the song is extremely hypnotic in the way that it uses repetition to build to an incredibly powerful climax which of course is the part of the song we played, the best part, the so come on part. As for Weezer, you may remember that they were in our original album tournament where we professed our love for the Blue Album but were more critical of later works. Heck, there's even a Saturday Night Live skit with Matt Damon where they <laughs> argue about the merits of Weezer's later period. That this is, is a classic skit. That is a good one. This is probably their best post-comeback song, and by that I mean songs after the Blue Album and Pinkerton. It may be their best song, period. It's the most universal popular song, and it has huge numbers on Spotify, and you'll still hear it regularly on any number of different radio formats. Simply put, the lovely Island in the Sun puts you on an Island in the Sun. When I hear this song, I'm transported to a beautiful desert beach, laying on a hammock with some fancy umbrella drink in my hand without a care in the world. It's close to a flawless pop rock song, and I honestly don't think leader Rivers Cuomo gets enough credit for what a good singer he is. And this is one of his best vocal performances. Plus, he's also a damn good guitarist, and this song has a short but sweet solo too, which we just played. You gotta love those doo backing vocals too, and his high-pitched vocals on the outro are great too. 
So, what do you prefer? Short, perfect three minute pop rock that transports you, or a more ambitious and epic, but maybe less perfect pop rock song that also transports you? It transports me anyway to a memorable scene in a TV show I once really liked. This one is tough because both songs are very different, so it really depends on my mood. Ultimately, I'm going to go with a more ambitious song and staying consistent with my bigger is better motto. Though going forward, there will be exceptions to that rule. Both of these are fantastic songs, but I have the Death Cab for Cutie song moving on here. This is very much a, a matchup of, as you said, what, what, are you, what are you looking for? What are you in the mood for? I think Transatlanticism is a, a phenomenal album, and this is, this is probably the, the lead track on it. It definitely is more epic. It's a builder, right? You know, and I think in this, in this podcast or in these tournaments, we, we all tend to gravitate towards those songs that have that epic build. And it, I mean, I think Death Cab and this particular album are like high watermarks for indie rock back in like the early 2000s. I mean, this was, this was when indie rock was really taking over and then it sort of, you know, didn't really take over, but, but this is when it was really big. Um, but I gotta say like when, when Island in the Sun comes on, that's, that's not a song I'm turning off. That is a song. It, it makes you, puts a smile on your face, even though it is a very wistful song. Like, you know, when you, when you listen, if you listen to it musically, it's a super poppy, happy sun's in your face. You're on that Island. You haven't listened to lazy eye yet to decide to get yourself off the Island, but you're <laughs> feeling good. Right. But if you actually listen to the lyrics, it's kind of sad. It's, it's wistful. It's, it's talking about, you know, never wanting to feel bad. And clearly there was, there was, tr there was stuff that went on and you almost, I almost picture it as it's, it's sort of like Rivers Cuomo. And I have no idea if this is true. This is just how I imagine it. It's Rivers Cuomo and his significant other after something happened and they're trying to sort of get back to the place where they didn't have any of these worries and cares. And yet it's, they know it's still out there in the background because they don't want to feel like that, but they know that you, you really can't do that in life. And the last, the last lyrics are, we'll never feel bad anymore. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's a little heavier it's than, heavy. than the song implies, right? Yeah. So, you know, we'll run away together. I mean, there's, there's a lot of like something happened and, and they're, they're trying to go back to a time before whatever it was. And yeah. Is he running away? Is he running away with his wife though? I, you know, I don't know. That's why I don't want to dig too deep into Rivers Cuomo's, you know, like personal life, but something happened. I don't know what it was. Or, or he's just a great lyricist in this particular case and does have a great, great, but quick guitar solo. And he does, the man does know how to write a pop lick, right? I mean, let's, let's face it. So. And sing it. To and, this day, to this day, to this day. To this day. Yeah. He also knows how to take an internet meme and turn it into a, a, a song and phenomena, right? Like he did with Africa went, but uh well, we could say that for a different podcast. I, I'm I'm going with Weezer. As, as much as I admire Transatlanticism and as much as I admire Death Cab, I it's not the same as Island. It doesn't put the same feeling. Uh, it doesn't put the same smile on my face as as Island in the Sun does. So it's got to be up to Keith. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go again. Island in the Sun is that you know it's Weezer. It's like perfect pop song with a little bit of, you know, the undertone of of emo, you know, the undertone of emo, you know, back to their their roots. Um, it it is a, you know, it, it is a great pop song. It represents Weezer perfectly. Um, it's 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 not. There's no flaw in it, really, right? For transatlanticism, I, I did, I did make before this episode, before we started recording, like twenty minutes ago. I I was still listening to, you know, to these songs, and I made the mistake of watching the um, Six Feet Under clip of where they play transatlanticism, and again, it's sort of you know, brings me back to, you know, that, ep that episode and the song in that episode. And, you know, 
you know, it's it's a, it's a series that I love. It's an episode that I love, and it's like the intersection of you know two things that you love together is is powerful. But I made I made the double mistake of going from that to the series finale and watching, you know, see it sing breathe me to the final scene of six feet under and if you've never seen it like it's it's the heaviest <laughs> scene in, in tv history so i was like i was literally bawling my eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i don't mean to i don't mean to mock your 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 crying but yeah exactly. you're, you're <laughs> laughing so yeah <laughs> but thankfully thankfully um the Simpsons did a, uh, a, a takeoff of the, the Sea of Breathe Me finale, where Bart is envisioning the future, <laughs> the future of The Simpsons, and it's hilarious. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I looked that up, looked that up as well. It, it sort of mirrors the other six feet under. Um, but you know, when uh, when we were playing these two clips and the transatlanticism came on scott gave me a look and he knew <laughs> Come on. he knew he knew from my reality he knew that this was not gonna go weezer this was not gonna go weezer's way oh i i, um, I knew it wasn't i knew it wasn't going weezer's way. <laughs> you, know, you know the thing is though when I, when I was listening to island in the sun i was really tempted to change my vote that is a perfect pop song. It exactly, is I agree. Song. I agree. It is a perfect pop. It is a perfect pop song. Um, it's a perfect Weezer song. It's it's all, it's awesome, but it just doesn't have the same impact as "I Need You So Much Closer," man. He's all about so the closer. epic slow builders. He's all about the feels. This is my wheelhouse. And it is a little slower building than I, you know, than I would necessarily sort of always go to. You know, it, it doesn't have the same, you know, always have the same resonance because it's a, it's a little bit of a slower builder. But, you know, there are times where it just, um, you know, it does hit you hard. Well, I picked a nine-minute song, an eleven-minute song, and an eight-minute song. Yeah, do you notice a theme? <laughs> I'm the long. I become the long song guy. When did that happen? It happened a long Here. time ago. Yeah, you know what it is because we only get so many picks, right? So you want to make them count, right? So the longer it seems more important. We only we only play it. it one to too many clips. It's <laughs> yeah, you don't really get the full effect. Except Drapery Falls. Yeah, so, we did play a little longer clips with uh, Drapery Falls and uh, the Kurt Vaughn song because you kind of have to, right, to, to get any kind of flavor of those songs. But anyway, uh, I'm going to wrap it up here. We had uh, the number three seed, The Rat by The Walkman, beat the number 30 seed, Tedeschi Trucks Band with Midnight in Harlem. But again, uh, both great songs. We had the number 14 seed Lazy Eye by Silversun Pickups beat the number 19 seed Waking on a Pretty Day by Kurt Vile. Then we had the number 27 seed, uh, a big upset if you go by seed, the number 27 seed The Drapery Falls by Opeth beat the number 6 seed The Moon by The Microphones. Then we had the number 11 seed Transatlanticism by Death Cab for Cutie beat the number 22 seed Island in the Sun by Weezer. So again, a lot of good matchups, good episode. Uh, had a good time talking music with you guys, as always. So have a good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Hasta.